technology, diversity, wine, the redwoods, and everything in between. Welcome to the Northern California Bay Area, and one show takes you inside the real estate that makes it all happen. This is By the Bay. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of By the Bay. I am your host, Dan Anchetta, and I'm really grateful that you're here today. Uh, it's been a little bit of a funky schedule with the podcast, but we're back, and we had just started year two of By the Bay, and I'm uh, probably going to be moving towards like an every other week schedule or so, or maybe not so disciplined on every single Friday, but it's been a really fun journey, and I appreciate you being here. And please do like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you're listening to this. There's so many different options. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of having Christy and Samantha here um, from Coldwell Banker. And we have done a deal. We were trying to, we were talking about this. Like we've done a deal together at some point. You as a listing agent, I had the buyer uh, while I was doing the financing for the buyer. I believe it was in Guerneville. I'm going to figure out exactly where that was and when that was. Um, but thanks for being here and and uh, taking my random message on Instagram to say, <laughs> hey, we should do a podcast. Yeah. So why don't you be here? Yeah. Awesome. So this is your first podcast yes. and it's going to be great. Uh, so why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? And I have some very specific questions for you with like all the craziest craziness going on with the MLS being down and what's going on with listings and all this other stuff. So first, before we go into that, tell everyone who you are. I'm Christy Taylor, Coldwell Banker here in Santa Rosa. Um, been selling real estate for over 23 years and absolutely love what I do. Nice. Yeah. And Samantha? I'm Samantha Sweeney. I'm with Coldwell Banker also. Um, I've been licensed for a little bit over a year and working with Christy for about three years. Nice. So assistant. you were like an assistant role and transitioned to be like a licensed assistant and now you can do more stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Well, welcome to the real estate world. It's insane. And what a crazy time to be kind of like really fully into it. Yeah. Yeah. I, know. I love it though so far. Yeah. So the MLS was first of so MLS was down for like almost three weeks and everyone was kind of losing their minds about that. Right. Understandably. Yes. So, yes. so what, what even is the MLS and why is it important and what happened with that? Yeah, so the MLS stands for Multiple Listing Service. It houses all of our real estate data, listings, sales, um, everything that you can imagine that we use for real estate. And the server is called Rapatoni. And obviously, my, just my understanding is someone came in and stole that platform. They and like it was over, hacked it or in, Yeah, like, they, they held it ransom. Oh, so really? Like looking, ransomware? Yeah, so like, ransomware. hey, pay us and we'll give this back to you. Yep. That's and so crazy. We heard FBI was involved. We never got like full information as far as like how much they were asking for, but it affected over 100 markets nationwide. So we oh, weren't the only one. <laughs> okay. So I, I, it's on, I, maybe head was in the sand, but I, I didn't realize it was like that massive of an outage. Mm -hmm. So there's a bunch of different service providers that, that we, so basically you take the data for your listing, pictures and description, mm -hmm. price, all this stuff, put it into this. And then that, is kind of the central point where it gets spread out to, to other realtors can see it. And that would, that's what feeds like Redfin and Zillow exactly. and all those other things, right? Yes. So that's like the, that's the database. Yep. And someone hacked the, the database. They held it ransom was what our understanding was. That's so, crazy. Yeah. So did everything just grind to a halt or what was the workaround? What would, what was happening? Yeah, the data came to a halt, but obviously we found workarounds. MetroList uh, jumped in and gave us some limited information, but that was after like a week. So we were literally no information for about a week. So it was old school. It was calling agents, making sure homes were still available. We couldn't put any new listings in. Um, so we were just sharing that on Facebook or any social media platform we could, we could think of and what we have. Um, and just going old school. 
That's I, wild. Yeah. Did people like not wind up listing their house while it was down or did they yeah. just like kind of wait and say, yeah, let's not put it on? Yeah, we had one client hold off for a week okay. um, and we still went live without the MLS and did a broker tour, um, did everything we could do. Um, we're having it open this weekend. So it was just last Monday we put it on, but he did hold off for a week just to see if that MLS would be active because obviously putting it on a MLS that isn't right. there, not a lot of people are going to know about it. So um, we're live now, so everything's great. But um, only one seller actually yeah. had a hold off. I wonder how many people said, yeah, I'm not ready then. Let's, you know, let's wait a week or two and, and let's see if there's like a, a big run of, of inventory that, that comes on. It kind of speaks to like how important it is to have that local agent that can make those calls and send those texts and knows who to reach out to, who might have buyers. Yeah. Probably with the lack of inventory, when you maybe can speak to that a bit is, um, probably not too hard to find buyers out there, even if you don't put it up on the MLS. Right. And I think the higher interest rates are kind of having buyers come to a pause a little bit too. So okay. you have buyers out there, but they're kind of pausing. So I think it was probably not the ideal time, but it wasn't a horrible time either. Right. Um, so everybody kind of found workarounds. I knew a few people that decided to not work during this time and um, vendors like appraisers and things like that. They decided, hey, I can't find the data. I don't know how to do the data. So I'm just going to hold off until the MLS comes back. Oh, that's interesting. We didn't work that way. We just kept going and I hadn't considered that <laughs> the appraisers also use it to see, like find their comps mm -hmm. and yeah. see what's sold recently and and uh, if you have no access to relevant data you know with, and especially in a changing market right um, that you just kind of say well can't really can't really do <laughs> it right. everything just took a little longer for us on our side but um, but we were able to work through it and get things listed and sold and closed so yeah nice yeah. so we're all we're, we're back and running we are and hopefully that means we'll see some more inventory coming on so uh, for the markets that you to serve, can you talk a little bit about, like what the experience is right now for your buyers and your sellers? Uh, you mentioned like buyers might be pausing because of interest rates and everyone's kind of looking at uh, by the time this airs, I'm not sure, maybe this will air tomorrow, uh, that uh, uh, Chairman Powell will be talking at uh, the, the uh, in, in Salt Lake City. Um, is it Salt Lake City? Somewhere. I remember exactly where it is. I'll look it up. Uh, the uh, kind of a big Fed announcement about like what is the temperature, where is the direction of the Fed going, what are they doing with the, with the different policies, and how that impacts different interest rates and and therefore mortgage rates and yeah. cost of borrowing and, and so on. So kind of give us the overview of what you're experiencing, what your buyers and what your sellers are, are saying and doing, and, and what what the, what the what the temperature is of you know the, those markets. Well, what what are those markets and what's going on in them? Right. So we, I feel like we, we've talked about this recently with a few different clients and I feel like we have a couple sub markets going on. You know, usually you can say, oh, we're, you know, low on inventory. So sellers have all the leverage. Um, I feel like we have kind of two sub markets going. Some things are flying off the shelf. First time home buyer, medium price range in the six, seven hundreds. Those are flying off the shelf. Um, there's still a lot of buyers out there trying, you know, to get into the real estate market. Um, some of the other markets and if it's not priced well, it, it, you know, the house may sit there for a while. So um, our buyers are still winning. Um, we're going in aggressively with offers, making sure they're pre-qualified, making sure they're even going through the underwriting before putting an offer together. Insurance is another, homeowner's insurance is oh, another yeah. big topic insurance. that we're dealing with right now. So making sure that that's all in line before we put an offer together. So we're still seeing our buyers winning, maybe paying a little higher interest rate, but definitely better than renting. Um, sellers, um, a lot of range on that, but we're still seeing over asking on um, some of our listings. So, and closings, they're going and getting offers, multiple offers and going over asking. So it's kind of interesting submarket, it's, two submarkets yeah. going on. And I don't know that I can explain it well, but it's interesting to see and, and work through because, yeah. you know, we're still, we're still seeing success for our clients. 
the the economist to me says, hey, when when cost goes up, well, like the cost of borrowing goes up, then we should see prices come down to kind of find the equilibrium where the payment balances out and and rates go up and prices come down, right? That should be how it works. But we're not. I'm not seeing that in any of the markets that I participate in, and and I have. Um, like my core business is in the Bay Area, but I also do some business up in the Seattle area and and, and Portland, um, and then down in the Central Valley, Fresno area. And um, I, I just continue to continue to see multiple offers, prices going up, despite you know seven and a half, eight percent rates right. uh, on some of our products. Yeah, and some of what we're seeing with the buyers actually, the um, sellers are offering a little um, credit to buy down the rate. Yeah. So there's some creativity out there, which is helping you know things still move quickly. Um, but yeah, the higher interest rates, I think it softens the price a little bit. So it gives buyers a chance to get the house they want with less competition. Yeah. So that's the biggest. Yeah, I think that's for the, for those, and maybe this is a, a moment of advice, is that for those who are kind of, you said earlier, they're hitting the pause button, like, hey, I'm a buyer, I want to buy a home, I want to be an owner, and it makes sense to be a homeowner as opposed to be a renter. Um, but hey, these, these rates are kind of scaring me. If there's some more people who are doing that, there may be more opportunity for those who continue down that path to negotiate that two one or three two one buy down. Um, you know, taking advantage of some of the seller credits, and you know, we've been spending a lot of time educating our clients that like the price reduction doesn't really help you that much in the monthly payment. Right. It's that two one or three two one buy down that really can make a substantial difference for in sure. your month to month to month cash flow. So maybe you can talk a little bit about how you're advising your clients and what that experience is. And, and maybe because I don't see the seller side too often, right? Because I'm all on the buyer. But on the seller side, how willing are they to uh, kind of have that negotiation and maybe some tips for, for buyers in regards to the sellers? Like, how do you craft that offer to become the most attractive of multiple offers? Right. Without giving away any of your trade secrets. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, we do counsel our buyers really closely in um, how to man write that right offer for the seller. And that does take conversation with the seller's agent, finding out what's important to them. Obviously, the bottom dollar is going to be most attractive, but there may be some other terms that it's really important to the seller. Rent back, seller in possession after close of escrow. Um, those are kinds of things that you know we can dig in. Once we have that information, then we can guide the buyer through that process. Shorten timeframes, making sure that we're doing everything in the beginning of the transaction and getting the seller that pending status quickly. Um, some of the other things we may suggest is you know potentially releasing a contingency if the inspections are already in place. Yeah, those um, those days. I mean, you know, rewind a couple of years ago it was like there is never time for inspections. Right. And I'm really happy to see that that's coming back a bit. I mean, even it might be five days or three days. Right. At least there's like a moment to take a breath and do some research on what you're buying. Exactly. And that's actually what we will do is, is if the inspections are there, we still want the buyers to take their time, making sure they're reviewing all the reports, getting a couple quotes if we need it, making sure they understand the condition and the cost of repair. So we'll shorten those timeframes. We don't ever you know, like to encourage the release of all contingencies. Some buyers are super excited and want to be competitive. So we talk them and walk them through that process. Um, so that's kind of the advice on the buyer side. Um, if there is a credit involved, we would... Um, potentially overpay on the house and then get a credit back for right. closing costs. So it's listed the buyer for 700, in. you offer 710 with a credit back so that the net amount that the seller gets is kind of what would be the same. Right. Right. As long as that appraises, then you're yes. on, in good shape. Yeah. Um, and then on the seller side, yeah. 
Um, if we have buyers, multiple offers, we're looking obviously at the bottom dollar and the best terms for our sellers and what's going to work for them and their timeline. Um, if we are getting full price offers or over asking and or creative buyer that needs that closing cost credit, we just make sure that the seller's protected and that they still end their end net the same. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right on that. That's really cool. And, um, I guess it depends on what their motivations are, how quickly they need cash, what their conditions are that they're selling, selling the home. I think that's something that, that people often forget. Like there's a reason why they're selling the house. Yep. And every situation and every is, situation, di- is right? different. Right. <laughs> yes. So like what are, what are those motivators and what is then the most attractive offer to them? Right. Right. Could be time. Could it be, could be more money. Should be short time. Could be long more. time. Right. Right. It could be all cash. Gives them the the assurance because they just need this to be done without any hesitation and no contingencies and no problems. Um, so I think like that's this kind of game that we don't really see that happens. It's like how do you dig in a little bit to understand like who is the seller? What are the motivations? What is the what are the factors that are leading to that sale? And then how does the buyer kind of fit that puzzle piece into like, well, this is a natural fit. I'm the best person for it because I might not be the highest price, but I have the best terms that meet your seller's goals. Yeah. And really asking those pointed questions to your sellers and making sure you understand what their goal is. And then it may change once you get the offer in front of you and they may be able to shift and change and really guiding them through that whole process. And on the buyer side is obviously getting that information from the seller's agent so that we can guide them to write that best offer. For sure. I was wondering for for you, so like mm-hmm. relatively new to the to the industry, this is a I, I think it's an amazing time to be learning, yeah. right? Because there's so many different types of transactions and sales and strategies that are going into it. Like, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned, you know, in this first you know year year and a half that you've been licensed um, when it comes to the set from the from the buyer side perspective? Buyer side. Hmm. Let me think. Definitely do your due diligence. You know, be there for your clients. Always be in contact. Um, I think that's critical, right? Yeah. Like communication, being thorough Always with it. Always being communication, being yeah. upfront. Um, I also think it's really good to have different relationships with other agents, um, just so you know, you have a good rapport out there, you know, yeah. you can connect other agents and you know, see what they have off market. It's amazing soon. to me how many times we'll make a phone call on behalf of a, of a buyer and they'll be like, oh good. Like we know you and we know the buyer's agent. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. This is, this is a much better. I'm like, well, how are we doing on other terms? And it's like, well, you guys are close, but you kind of get the advantage because you have those relationships and people know that your approval letter is good and that the representation that the buyer has is going to be thorough. And you know, from the seller's perspective, or listing agent's perspective, they don't want to have to do both sides of the job. Right. Right. Exactly. And like, you want to have quality representation on the other side that's professional and thorough and gets stuff done on time and fills out the, the paperwork correctly. Um, answers phone calls. Answers phone calls, right? It's responsive, yeah. It's responsive, yeah. I think that's one of the big things I've learned is, you know, be responsive. Um, You're on a timeline, so you need to stick to that. And Yeah, I do a lot of coaching for for new lenders, and I tell them, like, 80% of the job is just returning the call on time. Like, being present, being available, and just being the one who gets to the phone. Communication is just what's key. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. you had said something earlier, and now I'm thinking about it, about buyer strategies, and now I have totally lost my train Uh-oh. of thought. <laughs> That's okay. My goodness. Um, so what do you think happens kind of next 
in the market. I'm always, because I like talk to lots of buyers and they're like, well, we're going to wait until the market slows down. And I'm like, I'm not sure if it is slowing down and I'm not sure when that's going to happen. I know that everyone's predicting rates to come down, but I'm not sure if we're seeing any softness in terms of like home prices coming down, especially in the markets that we're talking about. Right. Sonoma County, there's just not enough construction. There's not enough stuff that's happening and it's such a high demand area to live in. Um, what are you What are you seeing out there? What data are you looking at or what's the kind of messaging yeah. that you're hearing? Interesting, because housing is obviously a crisis in Sonoma County in our area and it's such an amazing place to live. And I'm not just saying that, it's, it really is one of the best spots. And so I think our market's a little different than nationwide. And I think that next year being an election year, we might see a little hesitation, but I don't see prices shifting downward um, substantially anyway. Um, I think that once the interest rates drop, we're going to see another frenzy is kind of the what may happen. And we've been through fires. We've been through pandemics and, you know, all these different things that keep getting thrown at us and, and really continues to drive our market. And um, I think that um, the minute the interest rates will drop, we're going to see another frenzy. And we're oh, everybody's just kind of waiting. I know. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay, how are we going to navigate this? Yeah. One? But we've had experience over the past five years or so. So I, I'm confident that we'll get through that too. Yeah. So. I was going to ask you, I look at a lot of trends and people's production and what's going on. And overall, um, I think as we're sitting here, there's like the, the Tom Ferry um, big conference is happening in Dallas right now. And, mm-hmm. and I've heard uh, you know, that some of the conversation there is like, there's too many realtors, mm-hmm. right? And that we're there's, we're not going to see listings coming back like they were. We're going to see fewer overall transactions that are happening. Yet I look at some of the top performers in our area, you being one of them, and I just always wonder like, what are you doing differently that makes your business more consistent? More, you know, you're prolific in your listings and with your buyers. You're always out there doing. I see the another closing, another closing, just listed, another closing. Um, and then some other folks who were pretty busy a couple of years ago, and I don't see kind of that amount of business. So what what's what's different? Give us give us some of the behind the scenes. I don't know if there's any one thing. I think it's just that relationship that you build with your clients. It's repeat business. It's referrals. Obviously, staying top of mind with um, people on social media and making sure people know that you're in it. I mean, we pretty much eat, breathe, and sleep real estate. So. Okay. We're doing it all the time and love what we do. So, so. what do you do? So, again, without giving away like the secret, you know. <laughs> Happy to share. Yeah. What What is the? Um, how do you go about the follow up and create those clients for life? Because the, the the data, the statistics are that most buyers, if you go and you ask them six months after the transaction closes, who was your realtor? Who was your lender? They're like, um, I don't remember their name. He wears a backwards hat. I don't remember his, you know, but they don't, they don't remember. And, and it's staggering. And it, you know, so in our industry, it's something like 15% of home buyers come back to the original lender for a refinance. Like that means 85% of the time they're not getting that second transaction, but you're saying that it's about that repeat client, the referral. How are you nurturing those relationships over the long term? Well, it's interesting because 
the more you do it, the more clients you have. And it's it's been a conversation we've had of recent, like how do you stay in touch with all of your prior clients and doing client appreciation parties, staying in touch with them, just reaching out, um, handwritten note cards. I mean, there's all kinds of ways. And I think it's just dependent on the client. Like, is this person the person that's gonna jump on an email real quick and you're just saying, hey, checking in, or is it something that you know wants to get together for a glass of wine? And the more clients we have, the harder it is to kind of stay in touch with everybody, but we really do our best. Um, we do do uh, magazines, hard copy magazines. We do do um, email, um, just kind of touching our clients, giving them information and facts about real estate. Um, so I think it's a whole bunch of things. I don't know, did yeah. I miss anything? <laughs> I think just trying to keep in contact, you know, not pushing them, but you know, just letting them know you're still there, still around, right. always willing to help. So. I think the most important thing I heard, obviously those, those are great tactics. I think the most important, important thing I heard was understanding how they best communicate mm -hmm. and putting them in that channel. Yeah. If that person doesn't want to, is not a face-to-face, -face, get a glass of wine, warm up type of person, don't ask them to do that. Right. Because that's a fail, that's a fail right? Yeah. You want to understand the personality profile. I'm not sure if you do this consciously or if it's just kind of part of who you are, but to really understand like, What's their love language, for lack of a better term? Like, what's their, how do they want to be communicated? What's the best way for them to um, receive the message that you want, which is, we're here, we want to serve your real estate needs for you, your family, your friends, anyone that you can send us, right? That's the bottom line. Right. Um, and then you put them into, a, consciously or unconsciously, you put them into that category and say, this person is a invite to the annual pool party thing, and they're going to show up <laughs> and they're going to have a great time. It's going to be right. awesome. And this person, we're going to invite them. They're going to say, they're not going to respond. They're probably going to not even open the email. So they're a text message or pop by, drop something on their porch type of person. Yeah. Right. So is that like something you go through and you look at your list and you go, this is where we move all these people to? Yes. Okay. We're de very detailed. We have client profile sheets. So we, we add all kinds of little notes. Oh, do they like horseback riding? Do they go to the ocean? Like kind of outside interests. And How that long have you been doing know? that? <sighs> You're doing it before I yeah. came along. So. <laughs> probably six out of the last eight years. And in the beginning, yeah. first couple of years, it was just a matter of like figuring out what worked. And I'm a procedural type of person. Yeah. So I like to have those checklists in place and making sure all those things are there so I don't have to rethink or recreate it every time I meet a new client. Um, so that doesn't happen, just so you know. I talk to lots of realtors. Really? I don't, most, most database databases are name, phone number, maybe birth date, address kids names and that's about it okay. if you're getting past <laughs> that like that's phenomenal yeah. and that's probably that secret sauce that you don't even know that you're making back right. there yeah. well just those little notes and then she knows and she's doing the data entry piece and and having that tracking and having those follow-up dates and knowing oh yeah they had they were getting married in august so let's check in with them in september october and just knowing and, and studying your clients and really having a good understanding asking those questions is is part of what we do. So. Yeah. yeah, becoming a friend, not just a realtor. Exactly. Right. Yeah, it reminds me, I have a um, uh, a mentor in the, in the mortgage uh, field, which is like the, it's the Tom Ferry equivalent in the mortgage space, his name is, is Todd Duncan. Oh. And one of his things he says is that if you want to be their lender for life, you have to talk to them during their life. Yep. Like you can't just pop in when it's like, hey, you need another home loan. Hey, you need to move up. And then all of a sudden you just, you know, pop out of the woodwork and there you are to help them. Like you have to be present. You have to be commenting on their Facebook posts, even if you're not a big Facebook person. Exactly. You've got to be involved in their life and send them a text to say, hey, congratulations on your 
kid graduating kindergarten. How right. cool is that? And, you know, but not just everything house related. Yeah. Right? And we had this client recently. We um, met them three years ago, almost two and a half years ago. And they were not ready. They were moving up to Sonoma County from Marin. And we just constantly either sent them a text or checked in on email, maybe every couple of months, maybe even every three, four months. And they just recently, we sold their house in Marin and they moved to Sonoma County. We're handing the keys over, I think, on Saturday. Yeah, so it's so exciting. And they were so appreciative and we became super good friends. Um, and they were like, thank you so much for not pressuring us. You know, we, we needed the time to figure out where we want it to be. And they were just wonderful people. That was yeah. such a smooth transaction. So, so important to remember that yeah, it's their timeline, not yours. Three years, right? exactly. Like I, the, I want, yeah, the I want house we met them. That yeah. <laughs> open, had an open house. Had an open house, yeah. yeah. So like I'm so funny. I'm, so, I'm putting together a um, like a refresher course for some of the the realtors I work with about like it's time to go back to basics, yeah. right? Like brush dust off the old uh, open house strategy and let's go and talk to some people in the neighborhood, yeah. right? Because it it's just a harder market and there's just you can't sit back. For it, we're guilty of it too during you know the pandemic. Like we stopped doing a lot of the stuff that we did right. that led to success because it, there was deals falling out of the sky and we just trying to keep up with the deal flow and everyone's moving and everyone's buying second houses and everyone needs to refi and everyone and we couldn't do an open house during the yeah, time right. Either. And so you kind of got out of the habit yeah. and now it's time to kind of go back. And this is exactly like three years ago, you met an open house, you nurture the relationship in the way that they wanted to be talked to mm -hmm. in the time frame that they wanted to be, you know, met with. Mm -hmm. And three years later, you got a sale and a purchase out of the deal and future and friends and friends <laughs> and you became good friends yeah. and then if they're like your kind of people that's also who they hang out with and they yeah. spend time with and then i'm sure they'll be we'll check back in a year from now and i'm sure you'll have 10 referrals from these people right and if you do an amazing job for a client they're going to refer you they're going to talk to their friends or their family about it right. and that's that's mm -hmm. what we strive on is that part of your strategy consciously too is to like engage and say i need referrals from you i want referrals from you or does that happen naturally naturally we don't ask. You don't ask. No, no, and I probably should. Because um, I, I teach the opposite. I'm like, <laughs> you have to ask people. People want to refer to you. You have to teach them how to refer, right? Because they don't know how. I sent a message to some some people. Uh, it's like, how many times do you get that? Oh, I sent so and so. I gave so and so your phone number. It's yeah. like, we no, do. They never called me. Yeah, we do do a referral campaign. I think it goes out like four times a year. So okay. say, do you know anybody? But we're not like when we're on the phone or talking to them in person, we're not like, hey, do you know anybody? I need um, three phone numbers no. right now. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think that's a good strategy either. But but to, for people to understand that you build your business from referral and you're able to spend as much time as you do with them, giving them personalized attention because you don't have to go make 7,000 cold calls mm -hmm. right before no the day is over. Calls. No cold calls. Mm -hmm. um, you know, different ways people do it, right? For sure. Um, but, um, but I think that's really important so they know, like, I'm you're able to give the service that you give and spend the time with them uh, because you don't have to go chase down a bunch of leads. Uh, and that's really important to your building your business. And it's more fun. It <laughs> is us. more fun. It is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I do have to give a plug for Lorna Hines. You, you talked about your mentor in the yeah. lender world. Lorna Hines was my mentor for three years, and she's absolutely amazing. Like, if anybody needs a good boost in real estate or just coming back to basics, as you said, like Lorna Hines, she she changed my life in business and in my personal okay. well, life. Okay, I'll so find her, you're uh, gonna have her to links, just, and I'll put her in the show notes yeah, so people sure. can, can reach yeah, out. I think, great. do you do any coaching? No, she was. She was your coach? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was, and that was, I actually ended in March 
first right before the pandemic and it's only because i had so much going on i couldn't commit the time to continue and i was like perfect then it went into covid but i miss her all the time and i embody her and i, I use her 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 words all the time that's so, awesome yeah yeah i have uh i've had a coach for a long time and uh i think i've talked about her on the show for Teresa Odette, and she's an amazing human being and uh, a fantastic originator up in the lake tahoe area nice. and our relationship has evolved to be more friends and peers than it is like kind of coach and and, and student. Right. Um, but I still go to her all the time with like, how do I handle the situation? Less like, how do I do the business? Which it was for the first years we worked together. And more so now, like, I've got this tough decision to make. I need you to vote on this. And, right. Do I go this way or do I go Yeah, right. Way? Like, I think I know the answer, but the validation that a coach and someone who kind of understands you. So that, that's kind of like this mentorship thing that you're doing here, right? You're working and coming up under uh, under Christy and kind of learning. So how, how is that going? How, how does that work for you? Like that mentorship, because has the role changed since you got your license? Um, I've done a little bit on my own, but I'm always asking Christy for help. <laughs> She's amazing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I've definitely learned so much from her. She's like, she said very procedural, which I like as well. Um, so you know what to do, when to do it. Um, just her communication, everything. Yeah, I think it's really cool that I think like uh, one of the lenders here in, in our office during COVID got uh, was laid off from her job and she's been a longtime friend. I was like, hey, come check out this lending thing. Mm -hmm. And then she just kind of sat in my office for years, for like three years and listened to all the conversations, worked on all the deals, saw all the processes, all the things, all the different so in the first two years of her career, she probably did 10 years of what a normal loan officer would do. Interesting. And so now her career path has just exploded and she's just finding so much success because she's like, I've seen that deal before. Yeah. Where someone who tried to go solo and do it on their own, just you don't get enough reps, you don't see enough transactions and deals and it just, you know, you get to, you get to get busy before you've kind of got there yourself. And then you kind of start doing some on your own. For her, it was like, oh, she was doing, you know, eight or nine deals for me a month and then one or two of her own. And then it was three or four of her own and then five or six of her own. And now she and I are kind of neck and neck in terms of, in terms of production. Yeah. And it's a really, I'll kind of stay in touch, but it'd be really interesting to see how things progress and how, you know, you're having like fertile ground to learn in and deals to do and look to look at different type, different clients, different type of buyers and sellers, and how that would accelerate your career much faster than someone who got, gets in at the same difficult time and tries to go solo on it. Well, my goal for her is to not do the things that I did at the beginning. That's exactly <laughs> so, it, that's exactly yeah, it. So, so all the things I did, the Safeway shopping cart and my manager at the time was like, next time you wanna throw away $2,000, can you call me first? Yeah, and I can so spend all the things, that money faster yeah. for you. So all the things that I give her is all the things that I kind of learn and obviously she sees what I'm doing on a day to day. So yeah. I just love her, she's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah we call it uh, <laughs> letting, letting, let you know where the landmines are so yes. you don't have to find them yourself. Perfect, Right. yep, that's a just, good way to put you it. You don't have to, walk the journey with me, just point out where the landmines are. I yeah. just don't want to step on any of them. Right, yeah. And Chrissy's amazing, yeah, and she has a solution for every problem. She <laughs> finds a solution for every problem. It's She's not gonna give up, see. yeah. There you go, yeah. good to know. Um, so what else is happening in the local real estate market? So MLS came back, that's good. That means you can actually see what's for sale. And we're catching up still. So this is still, I mean, Zillow doesn't have all the data okay. flowing through because the IDX feed that feeds out to all these websites, MLS is still catching up, Rapatoni is still catching up and then it has to catch up all, all the other sites. So we're, I think they were telling us like one or two days. So we're 
day two okay. of being back. So by this weekend, we should see yes. Yes. we should see hopefully. kind of more yes. more normal. For sure. And hopefully, they fix their security so we don't get another. Yeah, that's what I was back <laughs> yeah, in my right. mind going. How do we make sure this doesn't happen again? Yeah, especially if they wind up paying the the. I don't hackers. think they paid it. I, okay. Nobody's talking about it, but I'm like sure, my yeah. understanding is they didn't pay it. They rebuilt the of system. Of course not. Yeah. Yes. No, no. Uh, <laughs> they had to rebuild the whole system is what I heard. I always wonder, like, why isn't there a backup system? Like, why do you have two or three of these things that, anyway. They're a great that's question. A, Maybe that's there will a, be now. Yes. Probably. I think the redundancy check will come in. Um, what else is happening? So you guys are mostly, well, you talked earlier, like Marin County, yes, but heavy concentration on where you live is like northern sonoma county yeah i live in windsor Windsor. um, but we focus all over sonoma county um we just closed one in napa Uh, we've done southern mendocino county i've done marin county even before sam was with me i actually sold a couple down in mill valley i pretty much go where my buyers take me um, unless it's an area that i have zero experience then of course i would refer it to a trusted agent but um, we we try to focus on sonoma county i live in windsor so i love windsor and i love to sell in windsor um but yeah it's wherever the client really wants to be so amazing yeah um what do you think so windsor specifically that town has changed so much in the last 15 years? Yeah, I've been right? there 22 years now. So I actually got my real estate license, then moved to Windsor and kicking and screaming the whole way. I lived in Santa Rosa at the time and I was like, I don't want to live in Windsor. It's too far. Windsor seems so far away. You now know, it doesn't it's not. kind of <laughs> been brought into like the, you know, into the county. When I was a kid, I grew up here in Petaluma mm-hmm. and I was a kid, like there's no reason to go to Windsor besides the water park, right. which you went to like once or twice a year. Right. And that was kind of it. There was no town green or anything like that. Yeah. So, What's happening up there? I, I don't, you know, is there more development happening and building there going is. on? Yeah, there's a, a couple more hotels going in. Um, a couple of developments are still moving forward. I know the one just north of Oliver's actually kind of stopped for the moment. I guess the developer went bankrupt. Oh, no. Um, but it's still growing and um, it's a great community. Um, the summertime activities and the year round activities on the town green are just super fun. It's family friendly. Um, I just love it. And I'm so happy I got there. Yeah, I, I, I actually do a fair amount up there as well. And, and it, it's um, it's a slightly more affordable area. Mm-hmm. And yet there's still a lot of jobs and commerce and activity and, and things that are happening up there in proximity to, you know, Santa Rosa, the biggest biggest city in the North Bay, mm-hmm. you know, North San Francisco. So, um, you know, that, that really helps out with as far as like qualifying jobs. I have a lot of people who work in Santa Rosa that moved to Windsor because of just different quality of life and mm-hmm. kind of activities and schools and that sort of thing. Yeah, and a little outside of like city and more of like the small town living rather right. than, you know, very small town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like secondary to Healdsburg, but I think just as nice, but you're not paying the Healdsburg prices. Healdsburg, so. like if you have a Healdsburg address, it just goes up. Yeah, that zip know, code matters. Zip code matters yeah. for sure. <laughs> but I love that area, especially right by the downtown. For sure. Uh, it's a really cute, cool. Yeah, it's all beautiful. I mean, beautiful. Sonoma County, yeah. we live in a great place. Yeah, so. I can't go wrong. <laughs> no. Uh, what else should we know about your business and the clients you serve? And do you have any like niche specialties types of clients you work with a bunch? Um, people that have problems that need help solving. People who <laughs> need help. Ones? Yeah. The hard ones. Yeah. We get a lot of challenging ones. Like, like, like give us an example, uh, not without, you know, any identifiable information, anything interesting, any like, well, I think that we're going to, probably start writing short stories for some of our transactions. So um, are any coming to mind to you? Any crazy ones? Um, 
I've had one listed for three years now and um, still not closed. So Listed for three years? Listed for three years. years. Like yeah. a rural something property? Just a family. Parents passed away. Kids kids disputing. I mean, just those long-term solution-based clients seem to find me, which is great because you work through those hard ones and then you get a couple of like super easy ones. So you kind of take the good with the bad. Yeah. And the problem ones are interesting because you learn something every time. Totally. And so when you when somebody presents a problem and you find the solution, it, it makes it that much more interesting and joyful. Uh, it's so funny. It's like timing of these things. So one of my, um, one of my loan officers was, was telling me today, She's like, I feel like the last five deals I've had have just been so hard. Like the five hardest transactions I've ever done, all back to back to back to back. And she's like, I just put together two more deals, you know, in the last week that are pretty clear cut. And I said, you just had to go say that, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I was gonna say, right. don't jinx it. Don't yeah. don't say that because yeah. now you're gonna have some funky thing with an appraisal shortage or some mm-hmm. some something that's gonna happen. And she's like, oh man, I think I just did just put the nail in the coffin on that one, so. Yeah, uh, but it's interesting because I say, I have a lot of newer agents that will come to me and ask for advice and I love to mentor and I'm always one to help other people. And I always say, you know, get through the difficult ones, learn something from it. I promise the easy ones are coming. So that's my advice sometimes for agents that come and ask for It's help. better. Yeah. I think I was like, just like the tangent of like this environment right now, it's hard. Fewer yeah. transactions, fewer buyers, high rates, uh, fewer sellers, just kind of, it's a harder, harder time. For sure this is where your career is made, mm-hmm. right? This is where you fight through it and do all the kind of boring daily discipline stuff. Sure. And if you can make it through this market, you can make it through any market. And uh, yeah, I think that's a big lesson learned. And the other thing is like, save your money. Yeah. As so many loan officers right now and as in re- and realtors too, that are less than paycheck to paycheck and they've torn through their savings and it's getting kind of scary. Like, do I need to go find another job? Yeah. And uh, and one of the things my mentor told me years ago was a, a empty bank account is your biggest motivator. So yeah, right. <laughs> if your bank account's empty, you should be out there working. Out there. Yeah. Knock on as many For doors sure. as you need to. For mm-hmm. sure. Cool. Yeah. Well, hey, I'm really, really grateful that you both came on the show. And uh, I think there's a, a bunch of great takeaways from this. And I appreciate your your insight. And um, we'll, we'll have you back again sometime and, and check in about kind of how the market's evolving and, and go from there. But Thank you so much. I'll make sure that everyone knows how to get a hold of you. Put your uh, Instagram handles and stuff in the show notes. Awesome. Anything that anything last parting words to share? No, just uh, thanks for an interesting time. This is my first one. Hopefully, we did okay. You did great. <laughs> yeah. This is awesome. Everyone's always so nervous. I'm like, yeah. you're in good hands. We've done yeah. a bunch of these episodes, and we've got it all dialed in. So thanks for being here. You did awesome. Thank you. And so we'll have much. you back again sometime soon. Sounds Thank good. you. Thank you. Thanks. Stay up to date with Bay Area Real Estate. Hit subscribe now if you haven't already. Did you enjoy this episode? We love reviews in the Apple Podcasts app. We'll read yours on the show. This is By the Bay.